0: Impacted and enriched with the friendship and the fellowship of many of the brethren that are in this part of the world. I haven't been down here very much. Somebody asked me how your room was and I said, I'm just glad there's an air conditioner in it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But um, to whoever's responsible for this invitation to be here tonight, I'm I'm greatly and deeply honored to be among God's people, and uh, with such incredible ministry in this area, ministry that has impacted my life even before I was called to preach. Uh, Brother Floyd Odom preached several times at the PSR meeting. I was raised at that meeting and uh, deeply impacted. Uh, just a new convert a new convert. You just never really know. You never really know who you're going to impact and uh, appreciate the committee and the invitation and the people of God and uh, praise God. I have to admit to you that I've greatly struggled with this this afternoon because I could not escape what God has laid on my heart to preach to you tonight because I preached this before. And we as preachers just kind of think that, you know, I've already preached that. I don't know if I can repeat that. But if God gave it to me, (laughs) if God gave it to you, God can determine where you preach it, when you preach it, and to who you're preaching to. Praise God praise God. So if you'll turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 1. Uh appreciative of all of the all of the provisions and the 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 basket in my room is big enough for Moses and Jacobed. And uh I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't need half the stuff that's in that basket. But since my wife's not with me, I'll probably try some of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I am excited to be in Louisiana. Oh, come on. Somebody said the South is going to rise again. Not if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. But on that last day at the sound of the trump, the South is going to rise. The North is going to rise. Regardless of color. Regard- oh, somebody help me. Praise God. Amen. I have so many friends around this congregation that if I started naming them, um, I would probably miss somebody because I haven't seen you yet, but uh, it's great to see so many familiar faces and great people of God. It's good to see Brother Tim Spell. I heard you before I saw you. Okay. First Timothy chapter number one. One verse of scripture, verse number 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Hallelujah. Notice with me that his pastor was directly involved with his future. Everybody over here, get with me. (laughs) Notice with me that the man of God was directly connected with his promise and his prophecy. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. And I want to preach the help of the Lord and the help of this great congregation fighting for your future. Let's clap our hands and give the Lord great praise. Father, we give you great praise and glory tonight. Open up our hearts and our lives to divine insertion. We ask it In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This incredible passage of Scripture incorporates vital elements to succeeding in our earthly journey for Jesus Christ. This young pastor at the Thunders Church at Ephesus had received a charge by his father in the gospel, the Apostle Paul. When we are looking at Timothy, we are looking at the very first preacher that I am aware of that comes from a blended household. He had a blended family. As you well know, because it says in the Word of God that he had a grandmother and a mother that were Jewish, but his father was a Gentile. And that gives me a lot of hope tonight, that if you're not a blue blood, and you're not somebody that's born into, and I'm not minimizing the importance of being born into, into apostolic greatness, but I want to tell you that there's room for everybody. Timothy was a young man that I believe because the scriptures give us indications that may have struggled with a certain element of insecurity in who he was. Hence, his father in the gospel writing in Second Timothy chapter 1, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. It doesn't matter what anybody says about your background. Or it doesn't matter if anybody despises your youth. If God be for you. The apostle admonishes Timothy regarding... Three different time zones in his ministry. The very first one is in Second Timothy chapter number 1 and verse number 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting out of my hands. And every one of these examples that I'm going to mention, it has the direct contact with his pastor. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Now this is the apostle that is counseling this young pastor that we should remember some things. We should remember and thank God that we didn't get here yesterday. God bless you, Bishop Spell. There's a reason why we have all this, that we're able to congregate here tonight. There's a reason why that our young people are able to feel the Holy Ghost and hear truth preached in the 21st century. There's a reason why we're able to walk in the paths of truth with the same disciplines and apostolic distinctives that our forefathers had. I thank God for our past. I thank God for the brethren that sacrificed. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. Although... The Apostle is bringing his attention to the past and saying that we need to put this and keep this in remembrance. It is not where the warfare is. I've met a few throughout the years that are still fighting some unresolved conflict from yesterday. I think we need to get over it, get on down the road, and embrace the promises of God. It's time to take your rear view mirror off and recognize it's full steam ahead to the rapture. Hallelujah. 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 I'm reminded of a story I heard of somebody that went to hook up a home to some fiber optics. And an old man came out running around the back of the house waving a confederate flag and you could see this incredible dynamic of yesterday and today yesterday was waving a flag and fighting some war today is hooking up fiber optics ladies and gentlemen the battle is already won let's go ahead and take the land for jesus christ I'm not going to get around people that got an axe to grind about yesterday. I'm not interested in sabotaging my future about some deal from yesterday. That is not where the battle is. I'm going to thank God for a praying grandmother. I'm going to thank God for a praying mama. I'm going to thank God for a bishop. I'm going to thank God for an elder. Well, let's go ahead and kickstart this thing and give him praise. Come Hallelujah. There's some people that are still fighting. Listen, the very first thing that happened when Abraham moved into the Ur, out of the Ur of the Chaldees is he learned how to dig wells. And after you dig a well, you better learn to erect a wall. Because nomadic tribes want that well. The Philistines want to fill it up with dirt. The Philistines want it for their animals. No, 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 no. This well is for God's people. It's for Baton Rouge. My God, I feel it on me already. Every city is supposed to have a well and it's supposed to have a wall. But if your well's dried up because you're fighting the wrong war, it's turned into a prison. And if you start shooting at people, it's turned into a fort. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God for With joy, we're going to draw out of the wells of salvation. Oh, let's praise him one more time. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And then the apostle directs him to his present. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy to them. That thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That's talking about your consecration. That's talking about your dedication. That's talking about your daily reinforcement. In taking in the nurture of the word of God. And spending time in prayer. But that's not where my battle is. If somebody had to battle with you to get you to this meeting tonight, your battle's in the wrong area. If your battle is to give tithes and offerings, your battle is in the wrong area. If your battle is over consecration, dedication, and doctrine, your warfare is in the wrong area. It's okay to get quiet. I know that the arrow is hitting its mark tonight. Hallelujah. I remember my kids were very small. My wife and I went to Spokane, Washington. My son was three. My daughter was one. We did not know one soul. I've never been there in my life. And we dedicated Monday night as family prayer. And I still see my son reaching for his sister's toe. And my wife and I getting down praying, trying to get a hold of God. Mom! He's touching me. So keep your hands to yourself in church tonight. Dad, he's touching me. My wife and I didn't even bat an eyelash. Our kids need to see us praying. You're not going to distract me. You're not oh my God, I feel it on me tonight. You're not going to get me to notice that. I've got to touch God because when you grow up, you're going to understand that my mama and daddy, they didn't get off track. They knew how to get a hold of God. They were giving themselves to daily consecration. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. But that's not what the battle is. If your pastor has to fuss with you to get you to come to revival meeting, you need to pray through in this meeting. Because you're wasting energy that is made to bring your future and bring it into the present. Oh, let's clap our hands, man. We gotta. Let's make up our mind in this camp meeting. I'm going to get back to praying every day. I'm going to get back to reading my Bible every day. I'm going to get back to giving when that offering plate goes by. I'm going to get back to sacrifice. I'm going to get back to soul winning. I'm going to... The past is not where your battle is. The present is not where your battle is. But this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, the promises which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Our warfare is for the future. And I'm not going to mess with a bunch of flesh and blood I'm going to mess with some spirits that are trying to keep us from having revival, from us having fellowship, from us having a breakthrough. It's not flesh and blood. That is a trick of the carnal man to get us tied up. My God, I feel it on me tonight. Yes, oh. Bishop, I didn't come to meddle, but I came to follow the Holy Ghost. We need to say that's not where my battle is. I've got to have revival. I've got to have a breakthrough. We've got to reach somebody. So very quickly, I want to talk about three enemies of your future. Your first enemy is a bad memory. The need for repetition. We need five speeding signs or speed limit signs to tell us that we're speeding. Now, I can't go too far down that road because I got a few tickets to my name. But we're almost, we almost expect to see red and green lights and just hope we got away with it. We need to, we need a notice from the bank to let us know that there's nothing there. We're used to repetition. But let me introduce you to a God that only speaks once. Hero Israel! The Lord our God! I'm going to tell you what, when God's going to give you that word that you've been waiting on, God's not going to stand as an angel at your bedside. God is not going to keep knocking on your door. God's going to expect you to get it, hide it, and fight for it. I remember as just a new convert, I remember as just a new convert, it was the second Monday of February 1987. I'd only been in the church about a year and a half to two years in Sacramento, California. I was praying in my apartment. I was down on the floor praying and weeping before God and the Holy Ghost spoke something into my spirit and I'm going to tell you for the next five years I put that thing so deep. It modified my behavior. It modified my direction. It modified my deportment. It modified my speech. It modified my friends. It I said, you're not getting this. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. The flesh can't have it. The devil can't have it. The world can't have it. Nobody can have this. Clap your hands and give him praise. Let's just take a few moments and praise God. If we can get to that same level of spirituality, God will remind us. God will breathe it again. God will utter it again. Well meaning, well meaning people, good people, But people that do not share your word, if you're not careful, you can begin to lose that thing. You have to say that this is my treasure. This is my word. This is my prophecy. This is my, my goodness. Is there anybody here tonight that understands what I'm preaching? if God told you you're going to build a new building and fill it to overflowing don't settle for 200 if God told you your backslidden children are coming home don't settle for nothing if God told you you're going to build a church and pastor 500 don't settle for 100 somebody needs to hear what I'm saying fight for it pray over it weep over it protect it it's yours Oh, come on, let's take a moment and praise Him. My God, it's coming home tonight. God's got to have human agency to tie into that, to keep that taught between heaven and earth. The whole demonic... Strategy about disrupting Adam and Eve's promise to have dominion and to replenish the earth. It's my belief that if they would have walked in the tenets and the principles of the garden, that every step that they took, that garden would be right behind them until it circumvented the globe. And so Lucifer understood. I'm going to have to break this principle between heaven and earth. And he brought disruption. You know the story. And when, and when Adam and Eve failed God, they broke that. Well, I'm going to tell you when God gives me a promise all hell can break loose if I gotta come and spend all night in this altar to bring it to pass then so be it if I gotta fast when everybody's at the restaurant so be it if I gotta get a church while everybody's at the lake so be it if I gotta have revival while everybody else is playing so be it I'm gonna bring it to pass Let's just lift our hands and pray right now. There's a grandmother and a mother that's been praying for and children. If God gave you that promise, then you hang on to that with everything you've got and it will come to pass. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care if things are going in the opposite direction. I don't care if things are going haywire. You hang on to that prophecy. A fulfilled prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ, according to Revelations 19. For the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And so, God wants to bring a prophecy fulfillment in your life. And your life, and your life, and all that's doing is bringing in the devil's face the testimony of Jesus that might have physically left 2,000 years ago. But the world is being fulfilled, and the world is being converted, and the Spirit's being poured out, and the Word of God lives. Clap your hands and give Him praise. Let's just praise him a little bit more because I want you to absorb this. I'm telling you God sent me here I I almost said no I can't preach this Because I've already preached this before I was over at Brother Jackson's uh, Bible conference here uh, A year or two ago And preached this message And I felt I can't preach this No the Holy Ghost said No you're going to bring it forth tonight There's people in this audience tonight God has not forsaken you God has not abandoned you God has not forgotten you But are you still waiting on When he returns Will he find faith Will he find that word Will he find that promise come back to you. If you get back to that same spiritual level and get back on that frequency, God will say it again, Jonah. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, verse number 1, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. He had already heard Jonah's repentance. There's some things that have to precipitate God giving that to you again. He told Jonah, he said, basically, get going. And he finally went to Nineveh. Number two, getting caught up in the wrong war. Well, I don't like them, and I don't want you to like them. And if you like them and you like me, then you're not going to like them because I don't like them. And if you want to like me, then you can't like them because I don't like them. Honey, I ain't got time for that. I'm trying to love people, not hate them. I'm trying to reach people. Whatever happened to, bless it. Are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise. My God, I feel it's coming back. Resurrection is more than just bodies. Resurrection can be a promise, a prophecy. The prophet spread over a dead prophecy and it came back to life. David. David time the kings went forth to battle was an idiom. It's talking about the time of the former rains when the deluge would hit October, November, December. That the ground became too muddy to move armaments, troops, and battalions. And so there was just an unspoken agreement between warring kings and nations. That I'll meet you right back here in the spring. And at the time the kings were supposed to resume battle and there was a city to be taken. David stayed back in Jerusalem. And when nobody else was around, slipped off the bed and flipped on the computer. Oh, you knew we were going to get there at some point, didn't you? It's time to take that elephant and 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 put my spear right through that elephant and say you can get d- delivered tonight and get your promise back. Oh my God. I didn't say this. A young man came by and preached in our church not long ago and said if we spent as much time with God as we did social media we'd be having revival. Facebook can't have my promise. Instagram can't have my promise. How many likes can't have my anointing? This particular passage of Scripture in 2 Samuel 11... Was a period of time in world history known as the Bronze Age. And during the Bronze Age, it was custom for patriarchs, kings, and monarchs and despots that they could have any woman they wanted to in their kingdom, whether she was married or not, which might explain why Abraham or Abram did what he did. David was blessed of the Lord, but that one executive privilege was off limits. And you know the story. Two capital offenses, and his life was spared, which show extreme divine favor in my book. getting caught up in the wrong war whose side is winning what's the acronym in front of their name listen I don't care what the acronym is in front of your name if you've been baptized in Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost and you're living a godly separated holy life and you want revival we're probably going to hook up caught up in the wrong war. Family pulls in with a new car and you just lost your joy. I think we should go back to believing that if God did it for them, God will do it for me. If God gives Brother Wesley Jackson revival, God will give Brother Tony Spell revival. We're not against each other. We're working together. I just want the devil to hear it. I just want the devil to know it. I had a guy call me up years ago now. And he said, Brother Mayo, he said, I need you to give me some advice. I didn't have a lot to give, but I thought I'd give him whatever I had. He said, I just want more revival. I said, do you have a district calendar? And it was not the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship. (laughs) I want to make that clear. (laughs) I said, you got a district calendar? He said, yes, I do. I said, put it in the garbage. Now, I'm not saying that to offend anybody. I'm going to say, if you want real revival, you can't worry about what's going on Friday night. You've got a Bible study to teach. Is anybody out there? If God's going to put a promise into the womb of that church, you're going to have to say, this is all there is. I'm focused on this. I've got a passion for this. I'm consumed with this. I don't need approval ratings. I don't, it doesn't matter what everybody thinks. I'm going to do the will of God. Clap your hands and give him praise. Yeah. God's got your promise. God's got your prophecy. God's got your blessing. If God said you're going to be an evangelist, you wait on God. Let us wait on our ministering. Some of our young ladies in the apostolic movement, they think if they're 25 and unmarried, that they're an old maid. You are not an old maid. You are waiting on God. If you make your selection, you may regret it in less than six months. God's trying to pair you up with somebody that can tear the devil's mask off and establish the kingdom of God in the earth. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I remember there was a precious um, young lady in our church. I'd been a pastor for several years and she came to me. She was about, I'm probably going to get this wrong, so I better not say, but she, she started badgering me. Pastor, when am I going to get married? When am I going to get married? When am I going to get married? And I thought, I, I was exasperated, but I didn't want to show that I was exasperated. And I just said, I don't know. It got to the point where when I was coming to church, she'd be on one side and I'd walk around the other side. <laughs> Pastor, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? All of a sudden, There was a young man that came up from California to visit his family that was the assistant pastor of an apostolic church in Southern California. I didn't even know the man existed, but he was there to visit. And I think it was love at first sight. Listen, set your bar as high as you can and then say, God, it's yours. God may have to bring him from another state. God may have to bring him on a meeting like this. There may be somebody show up you ain't never seen before. And God said, that's the one. Because God is going to try to set the bar as high as he can for you. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. Man, somebody shout. I feel a shout right there. All the single people shout. All the young people shout. And all the older ones that know I'm right say amen. amen. I'll never forget, I was doing some counseling to a young couple. And they came in and he had huge biceps and wanted everybody to know he had huge biceps. And she said, Pastor, isn't he a hunk? Bishop, I felt like answering, but I thought it best not to. He was backslid in less than three months. When you go looking for a potential spouse, this is just my recommendation. I'm not taking the place of your pastor. But I'd look up here, not back there when everybody's getting carnal. I'd be up here in the altar looking for someone that's praying with somebody and taking time with somebody and not out there talking about what restaurant we're going to and what you're doing on Instagram. Number three. I'll stop here. we had a couple you see these prophecies these supernatural promises they have a shelf life which means you got to get it you got to go with it because God intends on processing you while you're hanging on to that by going through an enduring tribulation like Joseph Joseph just didn't wake up one day in prison and have the content of character to be the second highest man in Egypt. He held on to that promise. And he said, accusation against immorality won't stop me. Ishmaelites won't stop me. Potiphar's wife won't stop me. A prison cell for 20 years won't stop me. The fullness of time. God sent forth his son made of a woman. It was an intersection from the Kairos into the Kronos. There was a couple. There was a good couple in our church. Beautiful family. Beautiful kids. Faithful people. One day I got a call from a young man that had been over there fellowshipping with him. He said, Pastor, did you know that this particular brother is thinking about going across town and starting a home missions church. I said, no, I didn't know anything about it. I'm not against starting home missions churches, but that's not how you do it. We've got four of them right now, five of them, actually. My daughter and my son-in-law pastor one in about 40 miles north of Spokane. I'm in favor of it. So I called the brother up and I said, listen, I heard something. I'd like to sit down and meet with you and your wife. They were in their mid-30s, and uh, we met that Friday, and I had a prayer meeting before that meeting. When they walked in, we sat down, and I said, brother and sister, I feel like God showed me something. That when you were both fresh out of Bible college in your 20s, early 20s, that you were presented with two doors, one was a door to do the will of God with barren cupboards and Meager beginnings, humble beginnings. The other door was to get a career, buy a home and raise a family. And you chose door B. But I said, now you're trying to force door A open. That door is now unavailable to you. The good news is God has a new door for you. See, these prophecies and promises are given to us at points in our life to be amortized. So that when we come to the fulfillment of it, our character and our integrity is at the level that we can handle the anointing of God. And to bail out on one course of life and go back now and try to force another one. God said that door is closed, but I've got a new door for you. Ladies and gentlemen, God has a new door. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's a door of fulfillment. It's a door of purpose. It's a door of direction. Number three is being distracted at the time of fulfillment, after hundreds and potentially thousands of years of meticula- meticulating prophecy and coordinating peoples and putting them in place, so that the prophetical bloodline could bring about a savior. This was uttered in Luke 19 and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. If anybody should have been looking for a savior, it should have been the Jews after a Maccabean revolt and 400 silent years and a bunch of nonsense literary gobbledygook. The epigrapha professor with us tonight. So, but he's an anointed professor. Oh, is he anointed? Hope I just didn't mess you up right there. Love this man of God right there. (laughs) The Jews should have said, you know what? I know that we're under the times of the Gentiles, but one day there's a savior coming. And he may not liberate us from the times of the Gentile, but we'll be liberated in the spirit and we'll establish the kingdom of God and we'll be part of his plan forevermore. But they knew not the time of his visitation. Could it be that our promise comes to fruition and we miss the divine indicators? We miss God letting us know that it's on its way. We're caught up in either a position... Or some secondary deal outside the kingdom of God. Where we're not looking where we should be looking and waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen a lot of people that sell out for the best by settling just average. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not willing to save the present for the future. I am here. I've got my roots down waiting for a promise. I'm still waiting for that revival. I'm still waiting for a breakthrough. I'm still waiting... Clap your hands and give God the praise. We were just kids. And uh, I remember us playing playing football on the front lawn. And we would huddle up. And we would just, you know, we'd act like the big guys. And I'd say, all right, you take five steps, push the guy, do a button hook, go ten steps, the ball's going to be there. It never worked out that way, but it just we felt like big shots, just giving orders like that, and then we 'd huddle up and listen, do a button hook right here, go three steps i 'm going to get you right in the middle, and then look at this one and say, "You do the long bomb." Yeah. well that 's just exactly like it is when a promise is coming is you've got to be on location looking in that direction following the directions looking for it and saying I'm standing right here until that ball's in my hand. I feel the Holy Ghost is sending somebody a message tonight. Yeah. Your backs and children are still going to make it home. If God said it, that settles it. If you're going to be you're called to be an evangelist, it'll happen. God said it, that settles it. If you're going to fill that new building, God said it, that settles it. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm tired of living without a promise. I'm tired of living without direction. I'm tired of living without a prophecy. I'm tired of living. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. My flesh can't have it. The world can't have it. My occupation can't have it. Clap your hands and give him praise. There's somebody tonight. God's ready to throw that promise. If you're looking for it. This altar's open. Let's come all over this building. Let's fill this altar. Lift our hands and let God put that promise back into our bosom.